There's nothing like a stroll down Main Street on a beautiful day. It is very good. Good day. My name is Chef Pierre Moncrief, and I work at the Brown Bag Bistro. I am a chef down there. I make all kinds of goodies. And I am here today. Oh, hey, Cooper. What do you say, what? Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on, you got my paper there. Thank you, boy. Uh, let's see what's in the paper today. Oh, merci. Thank you very much. Hmm. Wow, what's going on in town this week? This is great news. What is it? Uh, well. Is it selling bacon? No, it is not a bacon. Mon ami. It is very exciting news. Listen to this. Promised Land Church is going to be hosting Vacation Bible School. It will be June 26, starting at 6 p.m. Kids will explore stories. Jesus told that he looked at the world and each other in a whole new way. They'll be challenged to make choices on gratitude, compassion, forgiveness, grace, and faithfulness. A part of their everyday lives. So come join us on the main street for an inside-out, upside-down experience like no other. So there's one thing I love more than bacon. BBS. Oh, uh, yes, Cooper, yes. That's only a 14 days away. So make sure you come and join us. I need to get to the Brown Bay Bistro. I need to stock my snacks. I need to get stuff for the hungry kids, the cookies, the taffy, the strudels to screw, the cupcakes to frost. Come on, Cooper. Come on, boy. We need to get a going. Hey, you guys look like you're in a hurry. We, we just read about it in the paper. How fast can you get from here on to the Brown Bank Bistro? Well, they don't call me just in time for nothing. I'll get you there quicker than you can say Betty Crocker cooked a crocker. Crunchy corn cakes. Ah, oh, I wanted everything to be a magnifique. Very good. I'm glad you came along. Come on, boy. Stop the bus. Excuse me, gentlemen, and um, gentle dog. My name is Heidi Clare, super sleuth extraordinaire. Um, I am here in town on assignment to do some investigating. According to my sources, there are reports of an upcoming event that is inside out and potentially upside down. I'd like to know more about this exciting event. Can you help me? Please, hey, madam, look at it in the paper. It's right here. 6 p.m. on June 26. Come and join us. Jesus Stories Jesus told, gratitude, compassion, forgiveness, grace, and faithfulness. An inside-out, upside-down experience like no other. Hmm. Clearly this needs to be investigated. Where can I find this um, Main Street? Well, Miss Claire, you're already here. Hop in. I'll give you a tour. Why, thank you. This certainly seems like a nice town. I'm anxious to discover why things happen here. So amazing. And well, inside out and upside down. Well, you've come to the right place. And I'll see you there. I'll see you there, too. Right on course and just in time. That's going to make us all want to go to Bible school this year. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be a fun time.
she traveled many miles, was going to have a child, and knew that life would never be the same. She laid that precious child in a Oh, my God. 
places in the book of Joshua chapter 2, we continue our summer series going into the promised land. Now things have definitely changed and since I last saw many of you, my daughter got engaged and uh, my oldest one, and, and uh, yeah, amen, and uh the uh, so she's got to work out with that left hand holding that uh, big old rock up and showing it to everybody, and of course, as the dad, the poor fella, he had to. I made him ask me twice, a year apart, and uh, he asked a year ago if he could. Uh, and they had been dating a year at the time, and I said, typical first request I said no and uh but anyway I explained myself I was just being mean and enjoying it too and uh and so I said no no I said Taylor that's my personal opinion and you know Karen was under doctor's orders to uh be silent the next uh, last two weeks but that had to do with her throat deal but uh a year ago, she was silent then. I did all the talking, and uh, she was uh, wasn't ready for Taylor to uh, hit that uh, time and uh, for all that to take place. Well, anyway, being the uh, gracious guy that I know Sean is, uh, he said, well, if uh, Brother Michael says I got to wait a year, I got to wait a year. And so he waited a year. To the very day. And I mean, uh, he said, it's uh, June the 6th, Brother Michael. It's been a year. Okay, I said, all right, here we go. He said, I still got y'all's permission. I said, I guess so. But anyway, uh, long story short, that all worked out. We're headed to church camp. That's where they met. That's where Karen and I met. And uh, the same place that I asked Karen to marry me, which was at the altar, is where I ended up marrying her. And the same thing happened with them two. And uh, this right here in this very church is where he asked her at the altar. And uh, Lord willing, later on, four or five years from now, they can get married there. And uh, so I don't know. We told them, let God set the date. And uh, so there's no date yet. God has to set it. And if you want me to explain that to you after church, you can 
come up to me and I'll explain that to you, what I mean by God setting the date. Uh, but it was a, a long time ago, 1986, uh, that uh, I met my bride at Bog Springs. I was sharing with some of the other campers going. We have a good group going this year, about 30. So pray for us. Uh, about 30 young people going. We'll probably have 35 or 40 go to our teen camp, which is the same location, just a different set of churches. And uh, usually the older teens uh, meeting in the theme. So please pray for our church campers. I was telling them, going to church camp, my first time ever to go to Bog Springs, I was raised at Pine Springs in East Texas, uh, going to church camp, both of them owned by ABA. But I went there and I forgot one piece of luggage. I I mean, I grabbed my luggage, I'm ready to go, uh, 18 years old, 19 years old at the time. But that one piece of luggage had all of my towels and washcloths and underwear. And that's the piece of luggage you don't want to forget. You want to take that. So be sure and pack that. Pack soap. I tell the young guys, pack soap and use it. Okay? Because it's going to be hot there uh, this week. In Joshua chapter 2, the scarlet thread of redemption, a renowned preacher by the name of W.A. Criswell. Matter of fact, if any of you have an, uh, it's a study Bible called an open Bible, uh, which is a type of study Bible, uh, you will have uh, this story in it about the scarlet thread. The scarlet thread is mentioned uh, throughout the Bible and all the way from uh, the birth of Isaac and Ishmael uh, being twins and the handmaiden tied the scarlet thread on the hand that came out. And uh, you think about now we have the story of another scarlet thread all the way representing the blood of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. We find a scarlet thread throughout God's Word. In Joshua chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out from Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and they came into the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. I just want to stop there for just a second and talk about our introduction, the first point, which has to do with the providence of God. Providence of God is basically this. God is always in control. He's always got a plan. That's God's providence. In other words, he knew that I would be at a certain location uh, in 1986 to meet a short little girl. She's still short. Uh, from Bossier City, Louisiana, the only place she ever lived, born on Barksdale Air Force Base in 1971. I know some of y'all got socks older than that, but anyway. And so, and I met her and got, it was, I think, the providence of God. I, I prayed. I asked God to send me a wife. I wanted to marry somebody that would be a good preacher's wife. And, uh, Karen all the time was wanting to pray. And she said, I want to find me a man that I can marry that I don't ever have to worry about him going to church with me. And folks, if you're not married, I want you to think seriously about what I'm saying. If you marry somebody you have to beg to go to church before you get married, you'll have to beg them to go to church when you get married, okay? 
Uh, God can change them, but very rarely can people change other people. God's in the people change business. He's been doing it a long time. But don't think they're going to change just for you. Love is powerful when you're dating. Later on when you get married, uh, we need to pray for God to intervene. But folks, if you want to marry somebody to go to church with you, if they don't go to church by themselves without you, they probably won't go to church later on when you get married. Think about it. That's very important. I went up to her mama. I said, she didn't know me from Adam. I said, uh, is your daughter allowed to date? Well, she thought she would run me off. She said, only, she can only date preachers. Like I said, she didn't know me. <laughs> I said, well, that's great because I am one. I was already preaching and going. I've been preaching over a year and a half by then uh, before I met Karen. But that's the providence of God. Now, I wanted to talk about some valuable lessons learned here. Some valuable lessons we can learn in life. Number one, the first time that there was spies sent into the promised land, Moses sent 12 guys. Y'all remember that? The 10 and 2. And there was 10 of them that brought back a negative report. Two of them brought back a positive report. That was Caleb and Joshua. Matter of fact, whenever I named Caleb my son, uh, and we had these names. We never knew what we were having, so we had a boy name and a girl name picked out. And we had picked up, and, and I never looked it up, but for some reason, in the back of my head, I said, uh, I think Caleb in Hebrew means mighty warrior. That's a great name. Well, I looked it up in the Hebrew, and the word Caleb means dog. So, and, uh, so, and, but hey, but Caleb and John, but Caleb was a faithful man. Matter of fact, if Caleb's name is anything like the Caleb in the Bible, you know what? When Caleb hits 80 years old, he'll still be able to whoop any 40-year-old whippersnapper because the Caleb in the Bible, he did. He went to the promised land, and he said, that's my mountain, and I'm taking it. I don't care. Remember, he was, when they first went in, you know, he was just a young guy. Now he's 80-plus or whatever the exact age was, and he went in there, but he was a servant of the Lord. He was a servant of the Lord. Now, quickly, you know what the first time happened? They went in, they brought back a report, there was 10 people said, it's scary out there. You are crazy if y'all go in there. By the way, it doesn't matter. The majority is not always right. Did y'all hear me? The majority is not always right. I think Joshua learned a valuable lesson. He said, according to our tradition and our laws that we got from Moses and all of the Ten Commandments, and actually 613 of them from God, that it says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Okay? So I'm just going to send two guys in this time. So you, know, you it's impossible to come back with a, a majority negative report with two guys unless both of them are in on it. But they came back and they got the providence of God, worked it out. But folks, remember this. It doesn't matter what the majority says or even the, what the world says. It matters what does God say? All it takes to be in the majority, according to the Bible, is be on God's side. He's the ruler. He's the one who makes the rules. He's the one who comes up with a verdict. And here, it says that Joshua just grabbed two guys. I think he handpicked two spiritual warriors to send in on a reconnaissance mission to go in 
covertly, as if you will, spies, CIA agents, I mean Navy SEAL, Green Beret, these guys are the top notch of all of that stuff. They go in. Now, they end up, according to verse 1, at Rahab's house. Rahab is a harlot. She lives in the house of prostitution, and according to a study on Jericho, she lived in a prominent position, probably due to two reasons. Number one, she was either very successful in her line of work, or two, she also had a a, a hierarchy, or she was married to a very wealthy family, a royal-type family, but she was a harlot. And so the Bible, I want you to, talking about a picture of grace this morning, that even this woman of prostitution, a woman of sin, God says, that's the one I'm going to use. He convicts her heart. Now, why, you know, we look at these two guys, these young two Hebrew Jewish men. How did they end up there? Two guys at a prostitute's house. I put in your outline, I said, was it an accident that they ended up there? I doubt it. These fellows were professionals. They knew their job. They were spiritual leaders with Joshua. Also, were they there to fool around? No. Their mind was focused. Their heart was right. Well, maybe they were just there because this is a nice house. I mean, it's, it's got an escape route. It's up on the wall. They can see. They can look. Or maybe, and I think the last one is the correct one, it was a divine appointment. A place, in other words, God says, and, and made a way, just the right way, for this to be the person. Oh, by the way, as we continue reading and hear Rahab's confession of salvation, if you skip down to verse 9, it says, and she said, now she's conversing about hiding these two guys. And in verse 9, she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For This was in the day before cell phones. This was in the day before telephones. He said they had already heard about the Red Sea drying up. And when you came out of Egypt, what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. And then I want you to notice her confession in verse 11. It says, Our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This was something here that's uh, very uncommon. The Jews did not hardly... I mean, they were they're still very... Uh, isolationist people, a lot of people, even today, I mean, they're calling for the destruction of Israel. They're, I mean, even our own president is advocating Israel giving up over half her land right now. 
a shrinking. Uh, I mean, this is the first president, and since Israel has, our first president ever, since Israel has become a nation again in May of 1948, that has advocating basically retreat and giving up and compromise. I think one of the reasons our nation has been so blessed the past half century or more, over 60 years, is because of our being a Christian nation, number one, even though we're losing that identity. And uh, secondly, because of our support of Israel, which is the apple of God's eye. I mean, Israel is a chosen nation, and he's going to allow Israel to, to go under tremendous persecution. But uh, I see us withdrawing. We're not mentioned anywhere. There is one mention uh, about an eagle helping the woman flee and basically evacuating. But if that's a mention of the U.S., well... I don't know. Nobody can prove it, yay or nay. But let me go ahead and say this about her confession. How do you get saved whether you're a Gentile or Jew? And that's to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's how you get saved. That's how you know that your name is written in heaven. She's a Gentile. But later on, what we're going to see is, later on, what we're going to notice is that even an outcast... Oh, is included in not only the promised land, but she gets to marry into the Israelites. She becomes a Hebrew in her heart. She becomes also a Christian. Even though she's never heard of Jesus, she becomes a Christian in her heart. And she accepts the God of the Hebrew people. And when she did that, that's when she got saved. I think she was saved before the two spies even showed up. That's why she was so accepting. That's why God's plan did work out. Now, I want to say this. I was uh, reading a book earlier this week about uh, churches that are having an impact in their community and in their world. I pray that promised land always has an impact in the world. But you notice churches in Ashley County and any county in Arkansas. Churches that are dying. You know what they are? They're inward focused. Their only focus is how do we make us happy and content and comfortable. If you're a part of a church that is inward focused, in other words, that you're only, you're only concerned is how do you make, how do we make ourselves more comfortable? Now, here we see an example. They allowed Rahab, they're, remember they're very isolationist, they're, they're inward focused, but they allowed Rahab to become a part of them, a part of their group, an outsider. Somebody told, I mean, their skin tone's different, their heredity's different, everything's different. Rahab was, I mean, from a, a filthy, sinful past, and now she's a Gentile. But they allow her in, and guess what happens later? She becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, which is an amazing privilege because they allowed somebody that was not like them to become a part of them. Our church here at Promised Land, what we need to do is say, how can we make our church more uh, inclusive of other people? I've often said, we're not doing our job if we don't have lost people in our congregation. 
Now, of course, a lost person, they come to church and they're like, do they feel welcome? Do they feel uh, accepted? Do they feel loved? Can a lost person come? And, and sure, they don't have a love of God in their heart. They haven't asked Jesus to be their Savior yet. But if they don't feel it from the outside, if they don't feel saying, well, I, you know, I feel, I see the love of Jesus. I see a change in your life. Or they see what, what else? They see outcast. I don't want to be a part. They do not invite me. They don't care about me. And they, they're closed. They won't allow anybody to come in and be a part of their so-called family, their promised land family. But here we see a, a people that had already been set up for distrust, that have already been set up and burned. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. But they said, you know, no more. We're going to do it God's way this time. We're not going to do it our way. They tried to do it their way the first time. Let's do it God's way. So right there in God's Word, you see a confession of a Gentile, a sinner, who got saved in the Old Testament. How? By accepting the God of the Hebrew people. Not some statue floating around on a tabletop somewhere. Well, Rahab's salvation... I want to preach on this for just a little while. Now, y'all put me in the pulpit early, so I'm going to let you out early. <laughs> I was telling some of the others <clears throat> about that Christian comedian, you know, that told us, uh, said, uh, I'm going to tell you like Elizabeth Taylor told her seven husbands, I won't be keeping you long, okay? All right? So, <clears throat> shared that with some earlier yesterday. Won't be keeping you much longer. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Verse 17. Rahab's salvation. <clears throat> the way you live your life affects your kids and grandkids. You're either leading your kids to closer to God this morning, or you're leading them away from God, further away. There's no in-between this morning. I'm not going to take it easy on you, parents and grandparents. What kind of example are you setting? Rahab's a woman who God says, I want the man to take the responsibility. But if the man won't, I'll raise up a woman and use her instead. And he did in this story. But many times us as guys and men don't fulfill our obligation as the leader and provider in the home. Praise the Lord for women who do step up in the absence of a godly man or a godly leader. Here, Rahab, in Joshua six seventeen. this one little verse, and then a little bit further, I'm still in Joshua 6, I'm going to read verse 17 and verse 25 in Joshua 6. It says... <clears throat> And the city shall be accursed, and all that are therein. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. Now, these are commandments from Joshua. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. And who else? Who else is going to live when they assault the city? And all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Verse 24. 
And they burnt the city with fire. And all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass, did they keep in the house of the Lord. Verse 25. And Joshua, and by the way, remember me telling you about Joshua as a type of Christ, saved Rahab, the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel. Notice this next segment. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day. You know what? They let her become the next door neighbor. I was on the way to preach a funeral yesterday, and uh, some of Brother Henry's kinfolks. And, uh, and I was listening to a radio station out of Greenville, Mississippi called K-Love. They're, they're, all, they're like AFR. They're all over the U.S. satellite stations. And it was the story, and y'all can go, if you have internet access, you can go online, caleb.com, and look this story up. Verify what I'm saying about this woman whose son was killed by, uh, as a person of uh, Hispanic or uh, Arabic descent. Somebody totally unlike her. And he was he'd sentenced for ever how long in prison. And But it tore her up. She lived her life in bitterness and anguish for years. She is going to church, and the preacher got to preaching on forgiveness. You know what God convicted her of? said, God's convicted me that I need to forgive my son's killer. She called the warden or whoever, maybe the chaplain of the prison, and she set up the arrangement for visitation. And she went there across from that double-pane glass with the speaker and everything, talking across the visitation there at the prison. And her and that prisoner met face-to-face, and she forgave him for killing her son. The story doesn't end there. Later on, when he got out of prison, he had a job and a house waiting for him. Kind of a rehab thing. The job was arranged by the, the mom, and the house was next door to her. Forgiveness is powerful, it's more powerful than bitterness. And bitterness and unforgiveness will eat you alive like cancer. We've got people battling cancer. You know what? There's people that are battling these, these rogue cells in their body called cancerous cells. But there's also a rogue thing that will eat you alive just as bad. And it's called bitterness and unforgiveness. If you're harboring that inside of you this morning and you refuse to let it go, it will ruin your family, it will ruin your relationships, and you will not be able to function as you once did in life because it will take you over. I think about how Rahab was included. Even though she was an outsider, what does it say? She lives in Israel unto this day. Well, lastly, last point. 
I told you it's not going to be long. Rahab's position, she's included. I'm not going to read the Matthew Scripture, but I am going to read the Hebrew Scripture. She's included along with three other women, another prostitute and Bathsheba and others there in Matthew chapter 1. I think about Ruth. Man, she another Gentile, another Gentile included in the lineage of Jesus. So powerful. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is the last scripture this morning, so please hang with me. Y'all are doing great. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31. <clears throat> Matter of fact, uh, I'm going to back up to about verse 29. I'm thinking about Rahab's position. It says, The Israelites, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. That, yeah, that reminds me of some uh, Ph.D. scientist uh, said, Oh, that's the way they crossed the Red Sea. Their little bit of wind blew back, and it was only 12 inches deep right here where the uh, Hebrew people went across the Red Sea. And the preacher stood up and started shouting glory. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! And scientists said, why are you so excited? Well, because God drowned all those Egyptians in 12 inches of water, if you're right. So, it's a miracle either way. Anyway, so but he keeps on. So, he, they were drowned in verse 29. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about for seven days. And then verse 31 is my, the key right there. By faith. The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. Because why? When she had received the spies with peace. God had a person at the right place at the right time. Now in just a second, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And this is your time. And we have a lot of visitors here this morning, but folks here at Promised Land, our altars are always open. We're always praying that people would be willing to say, I, I need to pray for my family. I need to pray for the lost. I need to pray for, and there's stuff going on in my life, and, and things aren't right between me and God. So whatever you may have in your heart this morning, whatever may be going on with you, I pray that you would give God a chance. Give Him a chance this morning as we prepare for Him invitation. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I want to bow before you now just thanking you for this time that we've had to look into Your Word this morning, to see how that someone, even from a troubled past, even from a, a wasted life, can realize that they were headed in the wrong direction and given another chance. Thank You for Rahab's story and how that she later didn't even know it, but she was going to be included in one of the greatest lineages 
ever in the history of man. Father, I thank you for Rahab's simplicity of faith. In other words, she just trusted you. That's all we've got to do today. Help us to trust you and lean on you. In Jesus' name, amen.